and lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Hi, welcome to Lit with Lloyd. I am your host, Lloyd Russell. Uh, and today uh, we have Mary Jo Ignafo uh, to talk about, among other things, Sarah Winchester. So I want to read to you um, the, um, the description of Mary Jo and her own bio. Mary Jo Ignafo is an author and historian interested in exploring truth as verifiable by evidence. So, first of all, welcome. Uh, very glad to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. So, my first question is, explain your bio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that bio was updated, as you can imagine, in the last few years. And it's just, uh, I think it reflects my frustration about um, people putting out information or stories or assertions that have no basis in fact. And um, I understand that people interpret facts differently to arrive perhaps at different truths. Um, but what worries me is the number of um, stories that come out that, that have no facts whatsoever, no basis. It's just out of thin air. Uh, is it, and it's, it's very common? Oh, I think it's very common, yes. <laughs> Uh, are you a, a one-person uh, uh, advocate of getting the, the, getting the truth out of people? <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure there's many people. Um, it's just my little assertion into the world. And you do this by writing books. Um, how, do you, how do you pick the subjects that you want to uh, be able to give the, uh, you know, the facts about? Well, for example, the story we're talking about is Sarah Winchester, an American heiress. She got her um, inheritance through the Winchester rifle fortune. Most of what the public knows about her is not verifiable by fact and has been distorted by ghost tourism and a tourist destination. And so for this particular book, uh, gosh, I found facts, a lot of facts. And um, there was always this notion, oh, there's nothing out there about her. Well, I have 18 pages of footnotes that say oh, something else, you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, why did you pick Sarah Winchester to write about? What interested you about her? The, the most basic answer to that question, um, I was led by a couple of archivists to the sources, sources that had never been used. So wow. this is a delight to an historian to find 100-year-old records that no one else has ever reported on. And so, oh my gosh, that was a treasure trove. I had to dive into that. And sure enough, it turned up quite a lot. And, and then from one archives to another, um, San Jose, and archives in San Jose, to Stanford University, to San Mateo County, to, um, so uh, it was the sources that motivated me to write about Sarah Winchester. What kind of reaction have you had from descendants of Sarah Winchester about the book, if any? There, there aren't many descendants. Um, 
but uh, the ones I have heard from are very positive and gratified. Uh, one said, oh my gosh, we're going to the, visit the house. They're, they live in the East. We're going to visit the mystery house. And I don't want to tell them I'm part of the family because <laughs> I don't really want to be associated with that. But uh, those same descendants uh, loaned photographs of Sarah Winchester's siblings for the newest publication of my book, which comes out in a couple weeks. So. All right, we're definitely going to talk about that in a minute. But why? What is it about the Winchester Mystery House and all of those, all, all the listeners who are in the area certainly know about it? But what is it about that that goes against the grain in terms of the facts about Sarah Winchester? Well, I could give you a litany, and I'll start <laughs> with just a few things. So. Um, we're coming up on the 100-year anniversary of the death of Sarah Winchester. Okay. Within months of her death, her house was turned into a haunted house for the tourist industry. So it happened right wow. then and there. And um, stories about gun money, Winchester guilt, those kind of things were from the get-go, right at the beginning. But other stories got twisted over time and inflated. So, for example, um, it's been told and was part of a script of the tour guides. Um, construction work went on at the house 24-7 for 38 years. Okay, so... It doesn't take a mental giant to figure out that's probably not correct. But as a historian, I would like, you know, to verify or disprove it. Well, sure enough, some of the letters that she wrote, she would say, I sent uh, the workers away for six months. I just didn't want any more workers on the place. Or the neighbor across the street reported very late in her life. There, were, there was no army of workers there. And now that I've been in touch with some of the descendants, they have letters from their great aunts who came to visit Sarah Winchester who said there were no workers there. So, you know, um, I guess that draws people to come look at the house, but it isn't true. Uh huh. So, and you know, there's a lot about her that is true that's very interesting. I mean, it's, I'm not against the house I'm against the untruths yeah does does the actual Winchester mystery house does it say anything about her that is true yes <laughs> okay yes <laughs> where she was born and where she died um, <laughs> um, there's there's some other things you know but uh, the years are not accurate um, the years that you know they said she came to the property and yeah from the time you decided to write a book about Sarah, how long did it take for you to write it? I mean, obviously you did an enormous amount of research. <laughs> it took about five years. Wow. Yeah. I And I, I'm not a full-time writer. I was teaching community college and, um, um, but yeah, about five years. Do you still teach? Retired a couple years ago. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you taught locally, correct? Uh, De Anza College. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you, you the book was published in 2012, and you are about ready to come out with another version of it. What prompted you to modify it in whatever ways you did? Well, um, 
after the book came out, a number of people contacted me. A few descendants, I've talked about that, but the greatest number of people were people who had been tour guides at the house. Um, I'm, I'm sure I got a couple hundred messages wow. from people who had been tour guides over the years. And they each had a little story. And so this newest edition incorporates a lot of what they had to say about their experiences while working there, about their impressions, about how they feel about the house and Mrs. Winchester and the storyline. And to me, it was very intriguing. One of the earliest, I um, was able to interview a man who actually has since died, but he was a tour guide as a high schooler in the 1940s. Oh my gosh. And, and he was taught by the original people of what to say and how to say it. And um, it was really, really interesting to me. Did it actually, did the Winchester Mystery House actually open in the, in the 20s? I mean, you said it was almost 100 years and it was shortly after her death. 1923, May. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Almost 100 years. Are, are, is, are, do you have any contact with the, with them at the Winchester Mystery House? Um, the, uh, in the recent past, they have a, a person on staff as the house historian. And um, yes, we've, we've been in communication. It's, are, it's cordial. It is. Uh, yeah. are, are, they, are they open to making some changes in their script based on the facts? They don't talk to me about that and they won't sell the book at the house they won't sell the book no. but i've heard from the tour guides that there's three or four of them in the break room and they're asked to read it really yeah oh my gosh it kind of sticks me you know <laughs> <laughs> understandably uh all right so you have written other books uh, yes from historical perspectives what prompted you to become an historian uh you know, I would say genealogy. Um, sometime in the 1980s, I, I asked my dad <clears throat> what his grandfather's name was. And all he could come up with was grandpa. And he literally did not know what his grandfather's name, I, I found it astonishing. And he, he's just said, I, I never asked. I never thought to ask, <laughs> you know. And then uh, life goes on and people have families and move away and um and so I thought I, I'm just the opposite of that I you know I take mental notes of at least ancestors for <laughs> crying out loud so anyway I started working with um you know just kind of um hobby genealogy um and then that kind of morphed into town histories rather than family histories, town histories. And so my earlier books have been municipal histories, the history of the city of Sunnyvale. Um, I did some work on Santa Clara, a couple chapters for a San Jose book, the history of the city of Mountain View. So municipal histories, you know. And those things really helped in the Sarah Winchester book because I was comfortable going through like land records so I did a really painstaking search of every property she bought in San Francisco Bay Area and everyone 
she's sold and god bless her she came from the east so she insisted on having things notarized it was not required by law in california Ah. but it was in connecticut and she was accustomed to that and she always felt like she might get swindled if she didn't have it you know marked on paper so um anyway that's kind of the trail of my you know history work from genealogy to municipal histories to a biography and and i i have another book that kind of it's about truth but it's uh it kind of falls off the track of the other thing is this lover thought excuse me um and it's about um a, a salvadoran immigrant um and that came out in 2014. Okay, and I do want to talk to you about the other books a little bit. Uh, But what brought Sarah to the Bay Area? In, um, she was uh, just over 40. Uh, Her husband had just died. Um, She was living with her mother-in-law. And I'm not sure how that was going. And um, she had developed rheumatoid arthritis. So uh, it was suggested that a drier climate might help her. Uh. At the same time, her eldest sister died. Oh, wow. And her next sister's husband took a position as the president of Mills College in Oakland. And so uh, Sarah Winchester and her sister going to Mills College invited the two younger sisters and they all moved out here together and the intention of sarah winchester's house was really to house everybody you know she was the one with the most money and um, Uh then i think the reality of living with one's family members came crashing in pretty quickly and she helped them find other housing so did she actually live in oakland uh just very temporarily okay yeah that's where I grew up, so okay, and, and, okay. and within a couple of miles of Mills College. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so incidentally, brother-in-law was fired within a year, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, so <laughs> that I don't know if that would be in any history books other than the Mills College history book. <laughs> well, he went on to become uh, the president of the University of North Dakota and had a long and. Um, illustrious career however he was he was a curmudgeon and always in trouble he got fired a lot yeah did, mrs mills did not like him so okay so sorry i'm sidetracking no it's quite all right uh so um the book was published in 2012 uh, and what is the difference between the, the that one and the one that's going to be coming out uh in a couple of weeks the primary difference is um, I've located more photographs of interest. Um, there is one of Sarah Winchester, but it's she's teeny tiny, and it's I don't even claim it's Sarah Winchester, um, uh, so that doesn't really help anything. But I was loaned photographs of her siblings. There's fo- I've added photographs of. Um, some of the tour guides over time, including the first female tour guide hired in the 1970s. Um, So there's 28 new additional images from the original publication. And there's a new preface and a new final chapter. And the final chapter um, talks a lot about uh, Mrs. Winchester's uh, legacies 
um, the operation of the mystery house and the experience of the tour guides. Okay. All right. We have to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Thank you to the city of Montessorino for their continued support of KCAT Public Media. The city of Montessorino has enabled KCAT to inspire, educate, entertain, and inform our community through the magic of television and digital media for over 38 years. Thank you. And we are back with Mary Jo Ignafo. Uh, learning all kinds of interesting stuff about Sarah Winchester. Uh, let's talk for a minute about the publishing process. How did you get your book about Sarah Winchester published? So in 2012, it was still possible to approach publishers uh, directly without having a literary agent. Um, that is almost impossible at this point to do. Uh -huh. um, and of course, I had trouble, like a lot of authors do. Um, I ended up approaching a university press, and they really embraced it. Incidentally, University of Missouri Press, um, and you would think, why would somebody in Missouri want to, you know, um, take on this kind of a project? But it, it actually fit in with some other books that they had published. Um, uh, pretty well. So then when the idea came to me to um, do an update around the 100th anniversary of the death, uh, I just went back to the press and uh, they were very pleased to do it. Oh, so. That's great. Uh, you know what? You are not the first author that has mentioned the University of Missouri Press or right? University of Missouri right, Press? Right, right. I, I I have no recollection of who it was, but I feel like it's been said uh, that's been used before. So they're pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. They put out a very good catalog um, twice a year. So yeah. you so you've had no need to go get a literary agent at any time. Well, <laughs> there's a few things I've written that are sitting on my desk um, and I am looking for a literary ah. agent. So um, uh, but, you know, yeah, that's a story for another day. Are they the same themes uh, as your other books? Well, I ventured off into um, fiction. Oh! So, so that really, I think, takes an agent to present it to the right publisher. How cool is that? What made you decide to branch off? It has <laughs> been a just a dream of mine and huh. plus I really really enjoy the process of writing and so it's a challenge it's I'm ch I've been challenged to uh, and I've I've you know taken some courses and hired some coaches and tried to I'm trying to relearn it's like learning another language uh -huh. I can see that yeah oh that's so cool so you have one that you're trying to get yes Okay, and obviously you can't tell us much about it, but what what's the what's the premise? It 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 actually is the same time period as uh, the Winchester story, which is late twentieth century, early I mean late nineteenth century, uh -huh. early twentieth century. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's very cool. 
Uh, It'll be cooler if it got published. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, Stay tuned. If it happens, please let me know so okay. I can broadcast it. <laughs> okay. uh, and then we'll have you come back to talk about that. Okay. Uh, are there any are there any interesting facts about Sarah Winchester that that come to mind that would be that our readers would enjoy knowing uh, other than reading the book, of course? So um, the most um, amazing and intriguing thing to me about Sarah Winchester uh, was her real estate sense and the properties that she purchased. So I'll just give you a little rundown. She um, she purchased 100 acres that is now um, the southern end of San Francisco International Airport. She purchased 50 acres, which is now um, Atherton Avenue at El Camino Real in <laughs> Atherton, California. She owned what is now Santana Row. She, she, if, if her properties were valued today, as a matter of fact, I should do that. That would be a really fun factoid. Absolutely. She had an eye for investing in real estate. Wow. And she chose amazing properties to purchase. Oh, I forgot to mention the 100 acres that is now the city of Los Altos. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. So I was I, in the book. I do trace her real estate um, uh, transactions. She rarely sold anything. Um, so... Did she have children? She had a, a, a baby daughter in 1866 that died six weeks later. And that was it? That was it. So so where did her fortune go after she passed away? After she passed away. So during her lifetime, she had created trust funds for her 18 nieces and nephews. Mm. And, but, and, and, and a couple of siblings. Um, but... They got a stipend each month, and at the end of their life, that money was to return to her estate, and her estate went to funding um, the Winchester Chest Clinic, which is now part of Yale University Medical Center. Oh, my gosh. So her husband died of tuberculosis, and her the greatest aspiration of her life was the eradication of tuberculosis and she funded um, to the tune of um, uh, millions of dollars during her lifetime the construction of the hospital in New Haven um, which was has since been absorbed by Yale it wasn't originally with Yale um, and so and then all those estates of all those nieces and nephews the remainders went back to the hospital fund too so people think, and the press said she frittered her way, her money, building a house in San Jose. Well, really, that was kind of a pittance compared to the bulk of her money, which was invested in real estate and ultimately went and funded a hospital. Wow. Which, by the way, is still the uh, Winchester Chest Clinic in, really? in New Haven. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is not meant to be a dumb question, although it might be. Was her house actually the Winchester Mystery House? I mean, is that where she lived? Oh, that <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great question because everybody presumes it is. So she bought the property when she first came from California. She remodeled it until the 1906 earthquake. So that was for about 20 years. After 1906, and she died in 1922. During that time period, she lived in Atherton. She did not live at San Jose. Okay. So your question is, yes, she lived there for 20 years, and then for the next 15, she did not. Although she happened 
the last week of her life to return there because her doctor was in San Jose and he could stop in easily to see her. So for the 20 years in between, it was just vacant? Uh, no, she had um, a caretaker who lived there, and uh, thanks to him, he kept a little day book. Mrs. W. came for a couple hours today, and so this is how I know, were there workers on the property? Where where was she at the time? Because the ranch foreman kept a little day book about what was going on. And then when grand nieces and nephews came to visit, they would stay at the ranch for a couple months in the summer, but Aunt Sarah stayed in um, Atherton, so. Did she have doors that led to nowhere? I mean, you know, that's that's no, a that, big deal. Yeah, but um, it's earthquake damage. Before 196, uh, they led somewhere. Uh, Staircases okay. that go to nowhere. Yeah. No, there were, it was seven stories. The house collapsed and she opted not to rebuild it. She had the debris hauled away. She had chimneys sealed off, staircases sealed off, doors that appeared to lead to nowhere closed. It's- Wow. Yeah. When they- Another I, of the untruths, you yeah. know? <laughs> I was gonna say, when, when they toured, they don't say that then, right? No. They, they, they let lead us to believe that that's how she built it on purpose. Yes, and it's the, oh the, the storyline is something about to, to trick spirits or ghosts or something like that. Oh, no wonder you, she didn't have any, well, she didn't know about it, of course, but but I, I can understand why you don't actually engage in the content of what they talk about. Right, <laughs> right. And you know, um, <clears throat> there, uh, there's a whole notion of gun guilt or guilt over get, uh, uh -huh. earning money from, from the weapons industry and, um, that's really a 20th century phenomenon. Absolutely. People, uh, when the Winchester was invented in the 1860s after the Civil War until the turn of the 20th century, uh, you know, you're not reading about gun guilt. No. It, it's, it's more of a progressive idea, you know, after the 20th, turn yeah, of the 20th yeah. century. So it's kind of pinned on her as if she felt that way. I didn't find any historical evidence. She certainly never... Um, shied away from analyzing the finances of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. She kept meticulous records about yeah. her income and, and how the company was doing. And Is there still a Winchester rifle company? No. So um, it, it kind of went into receivership in like the 1920s, 1930s, actually went out of business. Uh, but a couple other um, companies bought the name so now you might find ammunition that carries the Winchester name, but there is no Winchester company. And you know, um, you know, I taught at uh, community college, and I would say something about the Winchester. You know, yeah, no one under forty knows what a Winchester rifle is. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like a, a complete blank. Wow. You know, so so yeah, we're dating ourselves even yeah. talking about this. <laughs> Uh, did you teach history in in yeah. college? You yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. But <laughs> U.S. history, yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so I, I would like to talk a little bit about the other books, especially the uh, the El Salvadoran book. What prompted you to write it, and what was it specifically about? So in 1989. <clears throat> uh, 
The Salvadoran military stormed the University of Central America in El Salvador and assassinated six Jesuit priests and two women who were working for them. Unbeknownst to them, there was another woman, a housekeeper, hiding who witnessed it. Hmm. She was subsequently um, ushered out of the country for her life by people who realized what she had seen. She, um, through a number of hooks and crooks, ended up being settled in my neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. And we became friends. Ah. And it was a trauma for her that she didn't talk about. So she just went, she went to work hard to be a good immigrant, to learn English, to, you know, you know, stay safe. Um, and after um, about 20 years, I asked her about it. And the more she talked, the more I felt like this is a historical record. Wow. And so can I please interview you? And so I took audio recordings and interviewed her over a period of two years. And after that, and I was thinking just put it in an archive for 100 years from now, because it was um, the US government did some terrible things to her <clears throat> mind control stuff, because if she if her story got out, the, it would it would show that the US funded the guys that killed the priests. Uh, wow. So anyway, um, I'm probably making this a little bit too long, but um, it, we ended up turning it into a book, um, and I and it it is her transcriptions of her direct, um, and it's her from childhood, so her whole life in Salvador, and then I have I put behind that chapter historical essays, so it, it's kind of like a, a seesaw of. This is what happened because she doesn't know the historical context. She doesn't know how to read or um, write in English. So it, it was all an oral story that I put into words. Wow. When did it get published? 2014. Oh, you did say that. And, earlier, yeah. and then um, it, it came out again in 2019 in Spanish, published in Central America. Whoa. Yeah. Have you gotten any kind of reaction from uh, El Salvador? I mean, from from citizens, from the government, anything? Uh, thankfully, not from the government. Um, <laughs> I was invited in 2019, and my husband and I went to the university and stayed not 20 feet from where the event happened. Wow. And when the Spanish book came out, and um, they had us under lock and key Whoa. really protected us um was your friend in any kind of danger because the book was published uh not here but she refused to go with us in 2019 and she did not want us to go wow yeah are you still friends i mean yes. she's, you're still neighbors and all yeah well she moved away um and we were the godparents of her daughter and uh you know we're lifelong friends and yeah wow <laughs> yeah that's um that's crazy stuff it, yeah so so between sarah and uh and uh the other one i don't know the name uh love that which is the truth in spanish oh okay all right uh have you have you been asked to speak at conventions or 
from news groups or literary uh, people, I mean, about about either of these books? Yes, I've I made presentations. Um, I, I, um, I would say um, the most important work of my life is Lover Thon, um, and it has gotten less attention. Um, the one that got more attention is Sarah Winchester, who is more well known. Yeah. Um, and and that is more fun. Um, the other is is not fun, but crucially important. And and when um, when the movie came out about Sarah Winchester, uh, were you contacted at all? I was contacted by the producer. I believe he's local, lives in Saratoga. Oh wow. Um, and asked, would I be willing to be an historical consultant? And I said, sure, you know, what's your storyline? He told me the storyline, and I said, well, it's not historically accurate. And then he never called back. And when I return his calls, he wouldn't take my calls. So oh, my gosh. Was, you know, it's okay. It's it, it was a horror film. My book's not a horror book, so it's okay. There's enough history for everybody. That's kind of how I feel about it. Wow. They do their thing. I'll do mine. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have a fiction book that you're trying to promote and see if you can get an agent for. Do you have another uh, Lover Dodd or Sarah Winchester book in the in the works or in, in your head? Uh, not at the moment. So you really want to focus on the uh, uh, on the on the fiction. book, Right, right, right. I think that's so wish really me cool. luck. I, I absolutely. I, I do wish you luck. Uh, that's really fantastic. Uh, okay, uh, I don't have anything else uh, that comes to mind. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? Just thank you for ha- oh. hosting me, having me. Um, it, it's fun just to talk about uh, uh, all these issues in in um, in that come out in these books. So. Well, it's the for me the Sarah Winchester book is going to be so interesting because, you know, I mean, having lived in the Bay Area all my life, and it's and it's a fairly long life at this point. Have you ever been there? Oh yeah. Okay. okay yeah. In fact, okay. we took our our grandkids once there a couple of about five years ago, and our grandson he was just hoping for ghosts. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they're marketing. Um, their marketing surveys uh, say the number one uh, reason people go there is for ghosts. Yeah, so so yeah. that's their thing. You that's know? their so, thing. Yeah, yeah. But 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 having a chance to talk to you and learning all these really fascinating things about Sarah is is just great. So thank you very much for for coming. I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Okay, it's been fun. Uh, so that'll do it for us uh, today. I want to thank uh, KCAT for. Uh, hosting us as always. Uh, I want to thank um, Mary Jo for coming down uh, in person to talk to us about this fascinating uh, person, especially. Uh, and we're closing the book on today's podcast. Uh, so we'll see you all next time. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org slash radio.